0: Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hey, Jubilee fam, before we get into the sermon today, I need to let you know about our Christmas Eve services this year. They are all gonna be online and they are going to be all spectacular. Um, Man, we've been already in the planning process and I am getting so excited. I think every service that we do is a can't miss service because God is always about life change. But I think these are going to be particularly spectacular, I think, uh, not only for you and, and your family to rehearse the story of the, of the birth of Jesus, but this is something you're going to want to invite your relatives into, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, your mailman, just everyone. It's going to be awesome. More information will be coming very, very soon. We'll have services all throughout the afternoon and into the evening. So want to keep an eye for that. Well, today is Adoption Day, and this is a, an exciting day for us here at Jubilee Ch- Church. Church, chew. Um, Jubilee Church. If you're new with us, I just want you to know that, man, this has become so so important to us. Uh, we take a, this day every year to celebrate, to highlight what God is doing amongst us, putting the spotlight on on those uh, on, on the fatherless and, and caring for them, but not just that but also this idea that we have been adopted into his family it's it's become uh, so meaningful for us so inspiring for us so envisioning for us uh, to pursue what god wants us to pursue but also again to understand that we are a part that we are excuse me members of god's household. Uh, this all started for us uh, four years ago as we were contemplating and, and planning our 20-year anniversary as a church. By the way, Rach and I just celebrated our 20-year anniversary last week. And um, yes, our big plans got tossed out the window twice, but man, we had a, a great day that ended with a romantic dinner in our 1979 camper trailer in our driveway. It was great. Um, the four years ago was our church's 20-year anniversary. And as we were planning this, we realized uh, that, man, we've had a great past, but God was beginning to talk to us about our future. And there's a lot of things that God spoke to us, and we presented in front of you in something called the Next uh, Initiative. And the church, man, you guys responded gloriously to that. And one of those things was starting a ministry for adoption and foster care to come around families who feel called to do that, to support them and love them. And, that, and God has done so, so much. Um, and so today we just want to talk about how uh, this, where we're going with this and, and really highlight what it means to be a part of God's family. Because you and I, if you are a part of God's family, if he has saved you, uh, one of the primary metaphors that he used to describe salvation is adoption. And we're going to read out of Romans 8, 14 to 17. And this is what it says. It's, it says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons or daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children were heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Okay, jumping into the middle of a chapter like this is kind of like being blindfolded, spun around 10 times and thrown into a pool of spaghetti sauce. You know know you're in something meaty and thick. You just don't know what it is. So let me give you a little bit of context of what Paul's getting at. Paul is explaining um, all really throughout this letter to the Romans, I I think at his best, The grace of God, the grace of God played out through salvation, that we, even though that we have rejected God, he has not rejected us, uh, but he loved us, he pursued us, he rescued us. He summarizes this in Romans 5, 8, when he says, God shows his love for us in that while while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. By the time Paul gets to chapter 8, he's expanding upon how we, how we should see ourselves to, one, give us confidence in our relationship with God, but also give us confidence in his plans and purposes for our lives. And he does that by reassuring us that we belong to God's family by telling us that we are adopted. He's saying that adoption is the highest and most glorious Privilege in the universe. Now, this may seem a little bit backwards to those of us who grew up in the 80s. So, if you get, if all you know about adoption is through some 1980s sitcom, many of us grew up in a culture where being adopted was something to hide. So, if you wanted to pull a prank on your little brother or sister, you try to convince them that they were adopted, you know, confirming their fears that they don't really belong. But what the Bible here is saying, what the gospel informs us and what Paul is trying to communicate to us, it's that because you have been adopted that you really, really, really belong. In fact, Paul told the Galatians something very similar in chapter four of that letter. He says, no longer, now you are no longer a slave, but you are God's own child. Friend of mine A pastor friend of mine uh, recently uh, has adopted a little daughter, and he was telling me about this pet peeve he has. It's when well-intended Christians tell him, say, hey, I am so happy that you've adopted, but I just want you to know I'm still praying for you and Amy to have a child of your own. And when, he, when he's telling me, like, I just want to scream at them. I have a child of my own. She's right here. I am her real dad, and she is my real daughter. And, and some of us, spiritually, we feel like illegitimate children children you feel less than because of past behavior or perhaps your present behavior and this is the lie that Paul wants to confront he's saying because you have been adopted god is your real dad and you are his real daughter you are his real son and god wants to give you more than he wants to tell you this he wants to give you a spirit of adoption that that screams from within you that you know daddy like he is your daddy no longer do we have a spirit of slavery a spirit spirit of slavery causes us to fear, to cower, to wonder. But he has not given us a spirit of fear. He has given us a spirit of power, listen to me, through adoption. A spirit of slavery is a spirit of religion. A spirit of adoption is the spirit of the gospel. Religion uh, gets us to say, I messed up. I better hide from my dad. The gospel gets us to say, I messed up. I better call my dad. God wants you to live with the spirit of adoption. Daddy, I need you. I'm hurting. I'm scared. And you live with the confidence that he's right there. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for the world. He wants to bring the world into a family. And he wants them to know that I am here for you. You have the rights of a son. You have the rights of a daughter. You know, back when our kids were in a crib, uh, we had the best baby monitor you could get, which I realize doesn't hold a candle to the monitors today. I mean, there's like video and like, you know, they've got uh, vital signs, you know, like they, it's, we, but we had the best that you could get. And back then it was just voice. But I remember like, no matter what we were doing, the monitor was always right there. Day and night, we had the monitor for our kids, so our kids being in the crib, we had a monitor right by us. And sometimes I remember specifically with Ella, uh, she could she would cry, and I could tell if this was a serious cry or you know like we had to go do something, or it's just you know you kind of ignore cry. And I remember one time in the middle of the night, I heard this massive thud. Uh, and, and she'd already proven to us that she could climb out of the crib. So I'm thinking she's out of the crib. And so I jump out of our bed, and I grab our bed post to kind of like slingshot me faster, and I broke it. And, uh, but I'm running to her, and it's just like slow motion. Run. I mean, I could, even though she was like in the next door, I mean, it just felt, I was slow motion. You know, the soundtrack of the bodyguard's playing, I will always love you. Like, I'm hearing all of this, Sorry, the sound guys are laughing at me. But anyway, so we, um, I'm hearing this, and I get to her room. I flip on the light, and she is sound asleep. And I look out the window, and all that would happen is that a branch had fallen. She's totally fine. I'd flip on the lights. Thankfully, she didn't wake up. I flipped the lights back off. I remember, because my adrenaline is just pumping, I remember sitting by the chair by her crib, and I remember looking at her And I remember having this question. She has no clue how much I watch after her. When she wakes up, all she knows that she's alone in her crib, but she has no idea that I am always monitoring her. I am always looking after her. I am paying attention to everything that she does. And when she needs us, we are absolutely there. I am here to declare to you that if you are a daughter of God's, if you are a son of God's, he stands over you every second of every day. His monitoring system is perfect. He knows everything and he is there for you. Anytime you're hurting, he is there for you. He's monitoring you. He knows what you need and when you need it. And when that spirit of adoption comes over you, you have this reality that no matter what's going on in my life, I can cry out to my daddy. And this is, what, this is what it means for us here at Jubilee. One of the things it means for us at Jubilee to live with a spirit of adoption, a culture of adoption, that God is always with us and he always will be. And he always leads us to green pastures and he always leads us to still waters. He is always looking after us. So number one, it means that we're not, a, we're not messed up. We're not a loser. It means to have a confidence in our identity as a, as a child of God, that we are his child, that he is our father. And maybe you have been hurt by others. Maybe you have been forgotten by others. Maybe you have been rejected by others. Let me just declare over you that your identity is not found in those who have rejected you, but in the one who has chosen you. And that is the spirit of adoption, and that is the culture of adoption. That is why we say that we want all people to know God. This is part of our mission, this is part of why we exist. We want all people to know God. We want, and, and the primary way that He has chosen that He wants us to relate to Him is as Father, is as Daddy. To know Him is to know Him as God. Daddy, now for some of us, this messes with us because of our experience that we've had with our natural fathers. But we are talking about the father we wish we all could be and the father that we wish we all could have. But in Christ, we have this father. Psalm 68 says this. It says, sing praises to God, to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides in the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Why? Because he is a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. Check this out. God places the lonely in families. That's a big part of having a culture of adoption, is that we are those who bring those who have no family into a family. Now, of course, we, we, we want to do that both physically and spiritually. We are a church that wants to help all people know God and find family. So, we have community groups. We, we our desire isn't just to gather people around Christian information and you know have services, but we want people to get into families. Now that's harder than it than it, than it sounds. But so you being a part of a group, you participating in your group, your group, you creating that sense of family, you sharing your heart, you sharing your emotions, uh, you're sharing your possessions, you being there for others and allowing other people to be there for you is creating this culture of family of adoption. And it's from this place of security and confidence that you have a father in heaven who loves you and that you are a part of a family. Then we move out and we extend this to other people. We prophesy to the world what Hosea prophesied when God spoke through Hosea in Hosea 2.23. And he says, I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people that we go out and we find people who are, who are spiritually and physically homeless without fathers, without families, and we bring them in. And if we share this heart of God, we will, we will be more and more on the lookout for the fatherless. The big picture of God is that he is a father looking for a family from every tribe, from every tongue, from every people group. And he puts he finds us and he puts us in this family and he gives us the job to go find those who are not in the fold and bring them into the fold, spiritually and physically. And this is all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New. One of my favorite passages on this, Exodus 22. It says, you shall, this is God speaking, you shall not wrong a sojourner it's really an immigrant, refugee, or oppress them. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like the money lender to him. You shall not exact interest from him. Here, if you ever hear someone say that God treats all people equally, uh, you can tell them that's not true and point to this verse. God gives special treatment to what theologians refer to as the quartet of the vulnerable, the sojourner, the immigrant, the widow, the fatherless, the poor. All throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, these four groups get special attention. And it's not just because the Bible's telling us to be compassionate. It is telling us to be compassionate, but to not help the vulnerable in society is to forget who we are and to forget who God is. We are at least spiritually all these things. We are spiritual sojourners and refugees. We are spiritually without a husband or a father. We are spiritually poor and destitute. Not only that, Jesus was this. Jesus was an immigrant or a refugee. His family fled into Egypt. He knows what it's like. Uh, He was adopted by Joseph. He didn't have a biological father. He was adopted by Joseph. He was poor. He was buried in a borrowed grave, and and his only possession was raffled off amongst some Roman soldiers. And of course, he wasn't a widow, but his mother was. Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. Children were always around Jesus. They were always, it's like he had candy in his pocket or something. Like They were always following him around. Uh, and many theologians and many scholars believe that these, a lot of these children were, were orphans. They were without families because you know, we're their parents. They're, all the kids are coming, but there are no parents around. God cares about the hurting. God cares about the vulnerable. And the fatherless are are amongst the most hurting and the most vulnerable. Sociologists have figured out, this is their words, not mine, that fatherlessness is the number one cause of some of the five um, aspects of societal decay. Fatherless is most correlated, is the number one correlation between these five things, crime, homelessness, unwed pregnancy, poverty, and future fatherlessness. You are five times more likely to commit suicide. You are nine times more likely to drop out of high school. You are 10 times more likely to abuse drugs. You are 14 times more likely to commit rape you are 20 times more likely to develop behavior disorders and you are 20 times more likely to go to prison and this need can be overwhelming i mean there are uh, 144 million orphans worldwide if if the orphans of the world were a country it'd be the eighth largest country in the world there are 400,000 foster kids uh, in foster care nationally and in Missouri alone there are on average in any given month 13,000 700 in foster care. If every church in Missouri took on two foster kids, we would solve the problem. Now, not every church can, and not every church will. But we can, and we will, and we have. If you're new to us, I want you to know that you are a part of a church that cares. More and more people are meeting the needs of the vulnerable, particularly through adoption and foster care, and maybe you would be one of them. Now, this isn't like a hobby. This isn't like an action you take you know, out of a momentary inspiration. We get that, we know that, but there are families here. There are, there are families here who will, who will help you through this process. In fact, if you are interested in adoption or foster care, on Monday the 23rd, this is an online event. The information's coming on the screen. You can sign up for this online event where you can get more information, and maybe you would start the process on how you could adopt, on how you could do foster care. Secondly, you can support these families. We, we've been doing that financially. We have, a, we have an adoption fund. You can give to that, that fund uh, through respite care. Um, and then, like I said before, by also, you can do that spiritually and physically by creating a sense of family. I mean, that's what people need. People need to be a part of a family. And you can do that by engaging in community group. So you are part of a church that cares, but but more than that, and, and here's what I want to end with. I want to remind you once again that you have a father in heaven who cares, who beckons children to him, who beckoned you to him, not as a boss, but as a father. And how can that be? Well, here's how this can be. Before Jesus left the earth, one of the things he said to his disciples is this. In John 14, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. If you've ever known anyone who's adopted internationally, they make two trips. One trip is they go and they accomplish all the legal work, all the necessary work to make the adoption happen. But then they do something heartbreaking. They leave the child there while everything is processing. And then they come and they take the second trip to receive that child and bring them home to be with them forever. What Jesus is saying here is I'm making two trips. This first trip that I've made is I've come to do the necessary work to legally make you adoptive children. I've legally done the work through the cross. He legally made us sons of God. But he says, don't worry, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm going to take you home for for good. And that is what Paul is getting at. That's why we cry, Abba Father, we're awaiting this day, daddy, daddy, daddy. And in the meantime, he says, that's why I'm giving you my spirit. And in the spirit of adoption, that is the, that is the spirit that cries from within us, Abba Father, and reminds you that of your spiritual sonship, the fact that you are a son, the fact that you are a daughter. So not only do we have this exterior legal objective adoption, we also have this interior subjective emotional adoption. The work of Jesus on the cross legally makes us sons of God and the work of the spirit on the inside makes us feel like sons of God. And So I just wanna end with this. Are you a son of God? Are you a daughter of God? Have you been adopted into the family? Do you know that legally? Do you know that you are a legal son, that you are a legal daughter? I, I want you to know that God is in the adoption business and his adoption fund is limitless because it is the blood of his son. The blood of his son has purchased, has purchased, has done the legal requirements so that anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, will become legally a part of his adoptive Family. If you've never done that, if you've never said, I want to be in the family, he is inviting you into the family. If you've never received that invitation, I'm gonna count to three. And wherever you are, if you're in one of our auditoriums, you're watching online, I want you to, I want you to say, Yeah, that's me. Just raise your hand. Where, even if you're by yourself, you may seem weird, but just do that. So on on the count of three, I want you, like I want to be a part of this. I want to receive this, this adoption through the blood of Jesus on the cross for your salvation knowing that he is coming back and he will take you to be home with him forever. If you want that on the count of three, I just want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Okay, you can put it down. If you're online and you've done that, will you please please let someone know, will you make that indication that you've done this, that you have made yourself, that you have um, stepped into receiving this adoption, this salvation from God? God doesn't end there. He doesn't just leave us. He doesn't just leave us with this objective, you know, legal papers. Here's your adoption. He didn't just give us legal papers. You know, if you if you're familiar with uh, the the story of the prodigal son, you know, the younger son goes and blows his inheritance on sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And when he comes back, the father meets him, And, and the son comes back with the spirit of slavery. He comes back and says, "Make me a servant in your house," and the father um the father's like no no you are my you are my son but he doesn't go back into his study and pull out the legal document saying here's my here here you are here, you know this is proof that you're my son he doesn't do that he kisses him he gives him a subjective emotional inward experience that he is a son and that's what god wants to do in your life and that happens through the power of the spirit So here's what I wanna do. I wanna pray for anyone who's like, yeah, I'm a legal son. I I know that objectively, but I don't feel that from the inside. I just wanna end by praying before we go to worship. I just wanna pray for you that you would have an inward experience of the love of God, that there would be something deep inside you that would cry out, he's my daddy. He cares for me, he loves me, and he's always looking after me. Even when I think think I'm in this room all alone, I know that he's looking after me. I wanna pray for you. God, I just thank you for the legal requirement that legally makes us sons of God. And I just pray for my brothers and sisters right now that you would pour out your spirit on them so they don't just know that legally and objectively, but they know that emotionally, that they are a son, they are a daughter. We just thank you. Thank you if you've not left us as orphans. You have sent your spirit. And we have confidence that you're coming back. And one day we will go back into heaven with you